0: Welcome back to House Sitting Travel, your house sitting podcast. I'm Sam.
1: And I'm Darren.
0: <laughs> you jumped in with that one <laughs> real fast. Um, yeah, so we're your hosts on this house sitting journey. Today we have our third interview and another great one. So let me just tell you about our guest today. So Trish Candick is a fellow former full-time house sitter and nomad. Originally from Ohio, she's also lived in Oregon, Missouri, and Washington, D.C., as well as France and the Czech Republic. As a former professional pet sitter in Washington, D.C., I really think she has some great insights on the world of house and pet sitting. And by her own admission, she's not the best planner, but it's led to a very interesting life. And she talks about this in the episode as well. And um, I definitely think she has quite the interesting life and experiences. We originally met her at a vegan cafe in Sarajevo, Bosnia. She was literally on her way to the airport to start her house sitting journey in Asia. She'd been house-sitting in Europe and then was on her way to Asia. So it was really fun to catch up with her and hear about her experiences in Asia and everything that's happened since then. So she has so much great insight to share being a former professional pet sitter. So definitely make sure to stay tuned.
1: Yeah, you really don't want to miss this one. If you've been listening so far... We really like to harp on this idea of you want to get great house sits, you got to be a great sitter. So she's got lots and lots of great insights, tips, and tricks for pet care. She just has a ton of pet care experience because if you want to get those great sits, you got to be ready to give people great pet care. And there's a lot that goes into pet care. But also I think there's kind of this, she can, she equipped herself to kind of lead without a plan You know, you want to make sure that you have certain things in place when you do that. And she did so that she could kind of take this approach and serendipitously has kind of found through house sitting more fulfillment and purpose in her life. And I'm not just to clarify, I'm not saying the house sitting itself, but rather the house sitting was a path that led to this and the details and all that I'm, of course, going to save for the interview. But first, a note from our sponsors. Hey guys, Varen here. So maybe you've heard about this great book on house-sitting, written by yours truly.
0: Hey, we both wrote it. I feel like you
1: always forget that part. That's exactly what I meant.
0: Sure. In case you haven't heard about it, it's called The House-Sitting Handbook, How to Live Your Dream Life Through House-Sitting. Often, travelers get all excited about jet-setting away to their dream destinations when they hear about house-sitting. They neglect the fact that only the best house-sitters get their dream house-sits.
1: Often, house sitters forget the most important part of the equation, the pets and their homes. Without them, there'd be no house sitting. Contrary to popular belief, house sitting isn't a free vacation. Pet and home care does take work, and so does landing that perfect house sit. But it doesn't need to be particularly hard. That's what we set out to show in the house sitting handbook. And apparently, some people feel we did a pretty damn good job. Oh, yeah?
0: Besides you?
1: Yeah. Listen to this testimonial. I really love this book. It is an extremely valuable resource for someone who is looking to get serious about house-sitting. It's super in-depth and gives tactical advice. A departure from a lot of self helpish books. This book gives the reader real value, not just talking in wispy promises.
0: Aw, that's very sweet, and I'm glad, because our goal with this book is to give you actionable advice, so... It's great to know that we succeeded.
1: Yeah, well, you won't believe this next one. As online marketers, we have been traveling all over the world. We are halfway through the book and simply love what you do. Your book is amazing. Sounds like a review I would have given, but I didn't. Thanks, Alfredo and Antonella.
0: I bet it has something to do with the free workbook included, which is personally my favorite part of the book. In it, we lay everything out step by step, including worksheets, checklists, fill in the blanks, and other exercises to help you dive into the
1: wide world of house-sitting. We'll share a link to the house-sitting handbook in the show notes. But for those who need an extra nudge, we got an exclusive listener discount. Just punch in podcast, no spaces, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast, no spaces. It's not on Amazon, not anywhere else. Just here in the link in the show notes and enter the discount code podcast at checkout.
0: And happy house-sitting. Hi Trish, hey, welcome Sam. to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we met in Sarajevo, Bosnia, back in, I guess, November 2019?
2: A few lifetimes ago.
0: Yeah, I know, it feels so long ago. It feels like another world. We met in a, I love the story, we met in a vegan restaurant in, Cafe in Sarajevo, like not in the downtown at all, just kind of in the outskirts. But it was a really cute place, and you were sitting there with all your bags, um, and we were sitting there having food. And as we were leaving, you were like, you struck up a conversation, I guess, because you heard us speaking English, I assume. And and then we discovered we were both house sitters, and you were on your way to go house sitting in Asia. And I was like, what are the chances that we meet in a vegan cafe in Bosnia and we're both house sitters? Like, that's
2: crazy. So true. That was really cool. <laughs>
0: but and you just you just told me you, you you ended up striking up a conversation because you didn't know how to get to the airport. And you were like, I need to know because I need to catch my
2: flight. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I have kind of a bad habit of going into things without a plan. That's, I mean, that's not necessarily a
0: bad habit. That's uh, that's kind of what I do. And um, Varen kind of reins me back in. He's like, wait a second. We need to get our plan going on. And I'm just like, let's go. Let's do it. I think they're... To be a house sitter, be a full-time traveler, you need a little bit of that, of just diving in without a plan, maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Well, it I, I leads me into asking about, like, let's start at the beginning, how you got started house sitting. Did you jump in without a plan?
2: No, I'm curious. That's so totally... Uh, I have a few different chapters of house sitting, and every time it was absolutely without a plan. So the first time I had been living in Washington DC, working in a law firm. And I just couldn't, like, I was just done. So I quit without a plan. And so I was kind of looking at the help wanteds and I saw this ad for a dog walker. And I happened to be, my parents happened to be visiting. We went out to dinner with my brother and his girlfriend and I said, wow, I saw this ad for a dog walker. How cool would that be? Like hanging out with dogs all day long. And my brother's girlfriend said, that's actually my friend that placed that ad. I'm sure he would hire you if you wanted the job. And sure enough, he was more than happy to not have to sift through all the resumes. And so I just started dog walking and pet sitting. That was the first time that was in Washington, D.C. I eventually started my own pet sitting and dog walking business and was there for five years doing that. And then I moved to Oregon, which was a distinctly different chapter because I got my own dog and I had my own house, so I did some pet sitting for friends. I had one place that was out in the country, and they had four dogs and four cats. Uh, the owner was a vet, and so that was kind of the dog chapter of my life. And then 14 years later, when my dog and I had to say our goodbyes, I just decided I was kind of finished with that chapter in my life and decided to kind of go out into the world and pet sit. That was like as much of a plan as I had and I sold my house and all of a sudden it was like I really had to leave my house, like someone else owned it. So I was like, oh, okay, well, gosh, I guess I'm doing this thing. So I ended up actually, I went to Costa Rica for a few weeks and didn't pet sit and then I went to stay with my parents for a little while until this great sit in Portland, Oregon came up with a puppy. And so that was kind of the start of my next pet sitting chapter. And this was unpaid pet sitting. So this was through trusted house sitters. And it was kind of in exchange for accommodations and the adventure of kind of being able to move around from place to place. Um, So that's how I got my start the second time. But both times it was kind of like I took the leap and then kind of waited for the net to appear. (laughs)
0: Well, it sounds like it appeared. So it worked out, right? But I think that's why I find your story so interesting and inspiring, also, because you have done both paid sitting and unpaid sitting. And a lot of people who do the unpaid sitting to travel the world haven't done the paid sitting side of things. Like you owned your own professional, like pet sitting business, right? Right. Full time. So, how have you found that, I don't know, have you found both uh, paid them to be different or are there more similarities? I'm, I'm super curious. I assume obviously that your experience helped you a lot when you transitioned to the like travel for house sitting kind of thing. Um, But yeah, I'm just curious what your experience has been there.
2: Well, it, it was a difficult transition because when I was pet sitting and dog walking in Washington, D.C., I had very carefully curated my list of dogs. So I had the coolest dogs and like the best behaved, just like such a great little pack that I took out every day. So I knew them really well. And I knew the owners and the houses were really nice, and I was being paid. So I maybe got a little spoiled from that experience because when I went into the free pet sitting, I thought, wow, people are going to be so grateful that I'm pet sitting for free when I used to charge $50 a night for an overnight sit. And these people are getting it for free. They're going to be so psyched. And so I was actually a little surprised that quite a few homeowners were more feeling like I should be psyched to stay in their houses, which weren't like maybe even the nicest houses I'd ever stayed in. So That was definitely there was definitely a little bit of an adjustment there mentally, which I'm still kind of making.
0: Mm, Yeah, but I think it's a really good point to make, though, because yeah, I think there is there's an idea out there, both in some home and pet owners as well as some pet sitters, that you know you should just be so grateful to have this place to stay for free. In right. air quotes, because obviously you're doing a lot of – it's a lot of work and responsibility to take care of pets. And you are, were acutely aware of that coming into it because you had been paid. And I think it's strange – I don't even really like saying the word free because um, it, it devalues the exchange, I think, when people think free and they're getting something that's great – whether it's um, pet care or a place to stay, it kind of like, first of all, there's like, what's the catch? Like, there's some kind of scam here. Or it just makes you take it for granted and um, just be like, yeah, you should be so happy to be be in my house when like people are getting, yeah, like you said, I mean, something that people pay good money for. So, yeah.
2: I, I think that that does seem to show on the the websites themselves, especially a uh, Mexico-specific site I'm on, says something about like, yeah, you get accommodation, you know, like sitters get accommodations for free, but it doesn't say that hosts get pet sitting for free. I mean, to me, it's, it's an exchange. So I think that almost creates that sense of entitlement that some homeowners have that they can kind of take advantage of you because you need housing or you really want to stay in their house.
0: Yeah, that is a really good point. And you know, the platforms, the pet owners are kind of their bread and butter because without them, the whole thing wouldn't exist, you know? But at the same time, I mean, many platforms don't even charge for pet owners to be on there. It's just the pet sitters who pay for oh a membership. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That's horrible. I know. I mean, that is that is one thing I do like, at least about uh, trusted house sitters, that both everyone pays, you know, to right. be. But like you said, it's an it's an exchange, and we're always searching for people that truly understand the value in that exchange as opposed to like yeah, you should be so so grateful to be here and I'm just like, well, you should be grateful. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah that you're leaving your pets in the care of someone who's going to be responsible and
0: yeah and that's why I, that's that's why I want to really I feel really strongly about empowering house sitters to like understand their worth and their value right and what they're providing because there's a lot of value in it.
2: I saw a post on Facebook recently where the house sitter said, well, I took this assignment and it's long-term. It was like seven or eight months in this place. And she was in charge of taking care of maybe five cats. I'm not sure how many cats and the yard. So she was responsible for taking care of like the garden, the landscaping, mowing the lawn and watering the lawn. And the, the owners had asked her to pay utilities. And she's like, well, is she, and she was kind of like, is, is that normal? And I was probably um um the, the most outspoken in saying like, absolutely not. Like sh- they want you to water their lawn and pay, like they want you to pay to water their own lawn. Like that's crazy. Yeah. So, and, and she was saying, well, like maybe I should ask them this and maybe I should negotiate. And I was just like, you run as fast as you can from that sit. Because if you give on this, they're going to just keep taking advantage of you. And it's an eight-month commitment where they're getting free house and cat care. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's no small, it's, I mean,
0: it's one thing if I guess there was no pets or one cat. I mean, I wouldn't do it anyway for that. I wouldn't, like, we have a hard and fast no utilities, like, line. Yeah. But uh, for five cats and landscaping and watering and all that, I mean, we've stayed in houses Beautiful house with uh, two cats, and they they paid for a lawn care service and a cleaner, and we were just responsible for the cats. And they were absolutely wonderful people. They were took us around. They were like they were like we want you to come. Like yeah. how, you know they were talking up their place and all this kind of stuff. And so that those are the, the kind of um, you know assignments that I'm like these, these are out there exactly. You don't yep. have to take that assignment that you're not feeling good about because and that's the trap that I feel like unfortunately so many newer house sitters uh often fall into because they just don't know and um they don't know what the standards are or what they can they don't think they can ask for anything because they're like oh I should be so so happy to be here but I'm curious that leads me kind of like into what kind of things that you look about look for in a house sit and what's your process because it sounds like we're kind of similar on a similar wavelength in terms of what we look for but also like with your background of having that professional side how has that informed your
2: process well you know the nice thing about when I had the business and and I knew the dogs and the owners really really well I guess that's what I try to get close to when I'm looking at sits. So I try to find out as much information as I can. And one giant red flag, which I've had on numerous occasions, is the host just saying, Oh don't worry about it, we'll just go over it all when you get here. So if I'm asking like what are your pet's behavioral difficulties? What you know, every dog has something that they do wrong. So if the if the host is like, oh don't worry, just show up, you know, across the world, buy a ticket, show up to this place and I'll tell you about my dog That's not gonna. That's it's not gonna happen.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point to ask about behavioral stuff, and I think that's that's probably my guess is that's something that you learned having a business because that certainly in the beginning wasn't something we thought about until we had a difficult puppy, and then we were like, oh, we better (laughs)
2: ask (laughs) (laughs) the difficult puppy. Well, and the thing is too, you won't always get a straight answer. I mean, I really think every dog has a thing. Even my dog, who was in my mind perfect. She liked to roll and poop. You know, that's something I would probably tell a sitter because it's kind of important. (laughs) So, like, for example, I had some hosts who insisted their dog was just great. No problems whatsoever. Doesn't bark. Doesn't pull on the leash. Doesn't, like, anything. The perfect dog. And I got there. And the dog was very sweet when we were inside. But as soon as we got outside, yanking me all over the place, totally dog aggressive, I mean, and it was a three week commitment. So I'm amazed that I made it out of there with my shoulders and all my limbs intact just from all the pulling that that dog did. And they just said, no, he doesn't do that for us. So maybe a red flag would be a dog, uh, an owner saying their dog has no problems. Hmm. That's a good one,
0: and I, I I know you're yeah you're a big dog person. Like I think I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you told me you only look for dog sits. Is that is that right?
2: No, that's not true. Actually, in Singapore, okay. I did quite a few cats. I would say I have a preference for dogs, just because then you can kind of get them out if they're if they're friendly with other dogs and there's a nearby dog park. That's just a great way to get out and meet people, and be around other dogs and then watch dogs playing, which is. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. I feel like we're, we're, we're like flipped. Like we have a preference for cats, but we love doing dogs too. That's cool. So you, you asked about behavioral stuff and is there, is there any other things that you definitely make sure to get answered as you're like organizing a sit? Like what are the things that you really look for?
2: I, I generally try to find out about the neighborhood and the the house itself, because I'm a little picky about not wanting to be in a place that's really cluttered or dirty, like I like a really minimalist place, which that Portland place with the puppy was, was very minimalist and downtown and kind of had floor to ceiling windows and was just kind of a fun swanky building. Um, I like to know if there are grocery stores nearby where I can get some food and if there are any vegan restaurants, that is a massive bonus coffee shops used to be a thing I guess now during the pandemic that's all changed so yeah the pandemic's changed a lot of things and especially with pet sitting of course
0: yeah yeah well why don't we go there I guess well first no let's let's back up a bit because I I really wanted to hear about um your experiences house sitting in Asia because yeah, when we saw you, you were like on the precipice of going. Right. So, um, and we, I mean, we've exchanged emails and stuff and talked ab- about it. But I'd, I'd love to hear more about your experiences there. Like, what was your your favorite place that you visited? Like, where did you visit? How was house sitting in Asia compared to elsewhere?
2: Well, yeah, because my house-sitting kind of started, but after Portland, I got a sit for Amsterdam, and they kind of lined up nicely, so I headed to Amsterdam, and then I had a sit in Oslo. In Europe, I've been to Europe before, and I really like it, so it was familiar enough, and then when I got to Bosnia, it was just starting to get cold, and I had an opportunity to go to Saigon for two months. And I thought, this is great. I'll be in one place for two months. It's the winter months, and it'll be warm there, and this is going to be cool. And I don't know anything about Vietnam, but why don't I just keep an open mind? And I actually wasn't crazy about Vietnam. The neighborhood I was in was very difficult to walk around. There weren't really sidewalks, and it was dusty, and there was a lot of traffic. And I, I just didn't find it pleasant to be out and about, which is which is kind of the point of traveling is being out and about and going and in kind of investigating different places. So I will say that I did not love Vietnam. Also they really hate dogs there. So I got involved with um, a, a dog kind of, I guess I would call it a dog rescue. I mean, she does so many things I, it's hard to say what's her main focus, but, um, but I did get to walk this dog that I totally fell in love with twice a day, every day for the two months that I was there. And that That was really great. But I would find, like, guards would come out and shoo us off the sidewalk. And it's like, this is a public sidewalk. Like, you you don't, like... Or or there would be neighborhoods where there's, like, no dogs a lot. Like, the only places where you could really walk would be places that were kind of gated and you weren't allowed in. So, Mm. it was just kind of a bummer of a place for me. And then I went to Singapore. I got a bunch of sits in Singapore that all lined up amazingly well. And I just... From the moment I landed and got in the airport, I loved Singapore. I mean, it's just clean and safe and you can walk around and it's sunny and the it was easy to get around by bus and metro and there were just great things to see, the Botanic Gardens and Little India and Chinatown. There was a great Buddhist temple in Chinatown that I like to go and just hang out. So I just, re- I really loved Singapore. And then the pandemic hit. I mean, I... I I had a a week in between sits in Singapore and I went to Indonesia and that's when everything started shutting down. So I couldn't even get back to Singapore to get my things that i left behind for safekeeping. (laughs) I just had to get, book it back to the States.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you left your stuff in Singapore then? Some of my stuff.
2: And it eventually made its way back, but not in time for me to actually get it (laughs) so it's sitting in Oregon with the rest of my stuff unfortunately
0: wow yeah I remember uh we talked a bit about your we exchanged some emails and you sent some photos about your time in Singapore and I was just like oh man this looks amazing I want to go um because I used to have in my head Asia 2020 like we're going to oh, go to Asia in 2020. No. <laughs> I mean that didn't happen um not not because of the pandemic but because our uh goals we c- kind of decided to stay in the US in 2020 like before the pandemic happened so it's kind of funny we ended up staying in the US not in the way that we hoped all our sits got canceled and everything but uh yeah so now now maybe maybe Asia 2022 um right. and uh, Singapore is Definitely high on my list. Oh, it sounds and from the photos you sent, and I'll include the photos and stuff in um, the show notes for this episode so people can oh can nice. see. and um you've got some great pictures and uh, and you also had some great pictures of the puppy you were mentioning earlier in Portland. In so Portland, I'll put those yeah. in there. Great. Um, but yeah, no, this just sounded so great. But so you you did all your Singapore and. And Bali, not Bali, Indonesia, or did you go to Bali? It was Bali, yeah, that's where I was. But,
2: you know, I spent the whole week scrambling to get a plane ticket back because I knew borders were closing and I didn't want to get Mm. stuck there. And so it was really just a stressful, unpleasant. Bali's also not super pedestrian friendly, at least where I was. So I'm not dying to go back. But the thing I would say about Singapore is that it was really a great place to have pet sitting assignments, because it's pretty expensive, then it, it is kind of nice to have accommodations taken care of in a very expensive country.
0: Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, we've found that house sitting in like, um, I mean, the UK or the US, they're not like, I mean, they're yeah, they're pretty expensive places to pay for accommodation. So it's really, really nice. It takes so much out of the, because you're already paying for other things that are more, you know, whatever it is else your life (laughs)
2: so it was surprisingly affordable to get around in Singapore though oh really okay just with the bus and metro like there's a card that you just load some money on and then you just swipe it through and yeah I didn't have to load it very often even though I took the bus and metro everywhere oh nice so you okay so you went to you're in Indonesia
0: then you had to come back to the U.S did you have house sits canceled or you just like everything was happening and then the pandemic happened. So you weren't, you you couldn't line anything else up. Like what happened there?
2: Well, I was supposed to go back to Singapore and that's why I left my things there for safekeeping because I was only going to be gone for a week. So I was supposed to go back there. That one got canceled and I didn't have any lined up for after that. I was just going to kind of see what happened. How,
0: how often do you tend to like plan in advance for your sits? Does it, do you have
2: like a time frame or does it just kind of depend? It depends. Like I pretty much was going where the good sits were. So if I found a good sit, I'd be like, oh, huh, maybe two months in Vietnam would be kind of cool. So no, I didn't. I didn't have a plan. And and I really thought that at some point, the the loose plan was that at some point I would find a place I really loved and just kind of hunker down. Like, get an apartment, start teaching English online, set up a little life, and just stay in that country for a while. Because I really felt like I just didn't want to live in... I wanted to have some time away from the U.S. for a while. Okay, that's really interesting. So, like, your goal
0: wasn't, like, I'm going to house it indefinitely forever. It was kind of like, I want to house it to kind of explore things, take my time, and figure out maybe where I want to land. Right. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's... We have a similar thing. Like, we are normally I mean full-time house sitters too but there is always that like where would we like to settle down for a bit even if it's just to have a home base to come back to and right. then, then house sit for part of the year or whatever
2: it is so that's really that's really cool to hear that and Singapore was kind of nice in that way in the sense of being able to explore because it's kind of a, a hub so you could, you know, you could easily kind of hop over to Japan or Korea or Indonesia.
0: Cool. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm getting such wanderlust just hearing you talk about Asia. Because like, yeah, I Japan is probably like my dream destination place oh, to visit. It's amazing. Yeah. <sighs> but that's another one that's expensive, too. So but I don't know how if there's really that many houses there at all. I, I was keeping tabs in in normal times and they don't seem to come up that frequently. Um, so we'll see.
2: One thing that was cool with the Portland sit was that I applied for a sit in Tokyo and they had an English cream retriever, which was the same type of puppy that I had. So this thing was the the one in Tokyo was gigantic. And then I had this little puppy and they they were like, oh, my gosh, that he looks exactly like our dog did when he was a puppy. So we put the two dogs on. Zoom or Skype or whatever we were using and let the dogs have a little look at each other. And it was so cool to see that. But unfortunately, I didn't get that sit. I was really crushed. Oh. I think they ended up going with a couple. And I know they really wanted someone who had experience with being in an earthquake, interestingly.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I can't imagine there's... I mean, I guess if you live somewhere that earthquakes are normal. But otherwise, it seems like a really specific... um thing to be looking for it was an
2: interesting request yeah there were two sites there were actually two sits in tokyo that i applied for and neither one of them came about so yeah i was just curious to keep
0: tracing your your story after you came back so after you came back to the u.s because i know where you are now but uh i want to get all the listeners there um so so you came back to the u.s and then what happened
2: yeah i went back to oregon and i was actually like kind of psyched to have the excuse to be back in oregon because i'd been traveling for over a year at that point and i was ready to see my friends and kind of check my storage unit like grab some things from that some new clothes and new new from my storage unit and and i happened to find an airbnb in my neighborhood in my old neighborhood And the woman gave me a discount since no one was really traveling. So I got to hunker down there for a few months and it it was actually kind of good to like see people and just be in a familiar place. And then I was like, wow, this pandemic is like really, (laughs) it was like June. and I was like, well, I can't, the Airbnb person was like, oh, we kind of need our Airbnb back. And so I went to stay with my parents in Ohio for a few months. And after four months of that, I thought, wow, I Like heading into the Ohio winter wasn't something that I really wanted to do. So I started looking at options. I really didn't want to go too far. And a lot of places weren't really allowing Americans anyway. And I didn't want to go to Canada, obviously. That was even colder. So Mexico had been on my list. And I thought, why don't I just go to Mexico City and see how I like it? And worst case scenario, I come back to Ohio. And I got to Mexico City and... Everything just fell into place. I found the dog park on my second day here. On my third day here, I found a shelter that lets you just take dogs. You pretty much just knock on the door and they they hand you a dog on a leash. And and I walked it over to the dog park and then I I messaged the shelter and I was like, "Can I can I take the dog in the dog park?" And they were like, "Sure. No problem." And so I started walking dogs for them and within a few weeks I had found an apartment and really just kind of committed to be in Mexico City for the indefinite future. At least six months was my lease. Um, and I'm just hoping that it'll it'll extend because it really feels to me like this is the place I was looking for. It's it's not too far from my family. It's kind of an easy hop back to the U.S. during non-pandemic times. gives me a chance to try and learn Spanish and it's just a kind of a cool place. I think once my Spanish gets better, I'll, and and once the pandemic is over, I'll feel a little more gung-ho about exploring the rest of Mexico. But for now, I'm just kind of hunkered down. Oh, wow. I love that so much. I love that. I love that because
0: um, I know in the house-sitting community, there's a lot of despairing and frustration that we can't house it and all that kind of stuff so um it's been interesting and really great as I'm having conversations you know for this podcast with people and seeing how they're adapting everyone kind of has a positive story that's come out of it you know um which I really really like and I love that because you were you were traveling to find your place and you may have found it in Mexico City like you weren't intentional like obviously you didn't anticipate a pandemic happening and uh obviously no one wishes that had happened but it's kind of about you know I love how you you know f- adapted and figured it out and and you know, instead of just sitting around being like, this sucks, you took matters into your own hands. And, um, yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, it sounds like from what I hear about Mexico City, it's huge. So, like, you don't even need to explore the rest of – you can't really explore the rest of Mexico. And you don't maybe need to because there's there's so much in Mexico City. And it sounds like you've got your whole situation set up with uh, taking out the dogs and – all that kind of stuff. And that's something that you've you've done elsewhere too, right? And you mentioned that's like your your top advice for people now um is to is to volunteer uh where you're traveling. So I'd love
2: to hear more about like how you got started with that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure why it didn't occur to me earlier actually. And I, and I think in Vietnam it was only that I was just kind of bored because I only had one cat to take care of and I had the whole day with like not wanting to kind of go out and explore. Um, So I think that in Vietnam, I just put a post on Facebook and said, hey, does anyone know where I can volunteer to work with dogs? And I just fell in love with that dog that I ended up walking. And And I thought, oh, I should do this more often. I didn't have a lot of time in Singapore to get, and Singapore's rescues were kind of out of town. So it was really tricky to get to them. And I think they only did like one day a week where volunteers could come in. So I didn't find it easy in Singapore, but when I got to Ohio, I found a rescue that was just out in the cornfields a bit. I mean, I had to drive for like 45 minutes to get out there, but they had the coolest dogs and it was so awesome and it was like the highlight of my week was going out there. I think I went out twice a week um, and just took the dogs out and fed them and cleaned their cages and let them run around and it, it was really gratifying. So I made that a priority when I got here. To Mexico City to post on Facebook and say, hey, I'm looking for a dog walking opportunity with a shelter. And like I said, I found that place and it's just really lent such a sense of belonging and purpose to my life here. I got involved with a photo shoot. So we're trying to take pictures of all 180 dogs that are in this shelter. So once a week we go over there and I'm in charge of kind of calming the dogs down and trying to get them in place. And there's a photographer and then kind of another helper. And so I'm getting to meet all these dogs and hear their stories. Like some of them are there because their owners died of COVID. One dog who's been there for a few years, her owner died in the 2017 earthquake in Mexico city. So And these dogs just have all kinds of different stories. The one that I'm fostering right now is a greyhound mix who was apparently taken off the streets when she was a puppy. She was four four or five months old uh, by a vet, and the vet did kind of like an experimental surgery on her, and then the idea was he would put her down afterwards. But instead of putting her down, he gave her to the shelter. So it's just crazy to me that this dog, who's amazing, she's just like so polite and beautiful and calm and super low-maintenance that anyone would think of putting a dog like that down but there's so many homeless dogs. And I think that just lends that, that adds to my sense of I can make a little bit of a difference in some dogs' lives because there there's a problem and and it's everywhere. I mean, it's not just in Mexico city, obviously.
0: Yeah. I remember seeing a lot of um, stray dogs in Bosnia and, and the Balkans in general, but yeah, no, I remember that. But um. Yeah, I mean, I I think that I mean, you said it it gives you such a sense of belonging and that's often what people are concerned about or worried about maybe when going traveling full time or um yeah, especially like on your own. Right. So like worrying about being lonely or feeling like you don't belong or disconnected and that kind of stuff. So I love that. I love that you you do that because That's a really important tip or advice for anyone who's thinking of house sitting and I mean, alone or not, but especially if you're house sitting alone to just connect yourself and have some contact with people and locals and local dogs.
2: And especially during a pandemic when you're less likely to go to a meetup or a couch surfing event or to try and meet people in person, dogs still need to be walked. So I, f- I feel like it's a good way to kind of, it's, it's pretty much the only thing I do here because I am trying to stay really safe. So I'm not meeting people unless they happen to be walking a dog or they're at the dog park or at the shelter. And I've actually met quite a few people that way. And I just make sure they're wearing a mask and I'm always wearing my mask anytime I'm outside. So.
0: And I, I would guess that's probably helping you with learning Spanish too, uh, being connected with the dog shelter.
2: Absolutely. And, and it's funny now, the more dogs that I know at the shelter, the more if I see a dog at the park, I'm like, oh, that's Condela, isn't it? You know, and then strike up a little conversation about how long have they been walking dogs at the park. And 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 the more we're also posting these dogs for adoption, so we're taking pictures of them and then like posting them on Facebook and Instagram, more people are getting excited about just walking dogs. So I'm starting to run into the dogs more often with with new walkers which is really cool.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I guess uh, I mean, I know a lot of people have been adopting animals during the pandemic. So, I would I would guess probably maybe people that can't adopt or foster for whatever reason, that's a nice way for them to kind of get that animal love, right, um, and give back. I know I'm missing animals so maybe I sh- I, sh- I should do it. I should try and see what's going on here.
2: Oh, I bet Buffalo's got great animal
0: rescues. Yeah, there's a lot. There's some really there's some really big ones. Um so yeah, I'll have to cuz we can't have I can't foster in our apartment. Otherwise,
2: I would have 20 cats here right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, I, I would risk that, too. If I have my own place here in Mexico City, I can think of at least a dozen dogs that I would have living with me right now. I love that. Well, if you if you stay in
0: Mexico City, um, maybe you'll adopt that uh, greyhound or uh, you're not ready for that kind of uh, commitment yet.
2: Yeah, I don't know. But the nice thing with the shelter is they're so flexible. So I've been keeping her overnight and they're just like, no, we're just so glad that you love her so much. And I'm like, that's awesome. So they're not even asking for a commitment, like a formal, I'm fostering her or I'm adopting her. I have a friend who went to the shelter a, a year ago now, I think. And she said, well, I can take a dog if you have a dog that really needs a home. And they said, well, this dog's kind of getting picked on and he's he's not really happy here. So she said, okay, I'll take him. And she still has him a year later, and she said she's never gone through any sort of formal adoption process. She could give him back at any point, but of course she won't. But but that's really that's really nice. That makes it easy.
0: Mm, yeah, no, that's, that's great. Do you have any other, I don't know, tips or suggestions for people that are thinking of house sitting on their own, but maybe they're trepidatious to take the plunge? Like that people should know about that you've maybe learned?
2: Well, I think if someone was nervous about it, I would advise them to start at home, like in their own hometown and maybe don't just sell their house without a plan. I mean, it worked out okay for me in the end, but I, but I will say there was a lot of angst when I was in Eugene and I was like, here I am paying to live in this Airbnb, which isn't even as nice as my house. You know, like I had a lot of regret around selling my house about a year ago, because, you know, I didn't plan that there was going to be a pandemic. But now I'm glad that I did, because otherwise I wouldn't have ended up in Mexico City. I'd be sitting in Eugene saying, oh, why didn't I sell my house? Now I'm stuck here in Eugene. So I think it worked out great. But yeah, I would advise people maybe to not not just sell everything and cut all the ties. Um, But maybe try something a little more local first. And then, yeah, when you get out, I mean, hopefully the pandemic will be over someday and we'll be able to kind of go hang out in coffee shops or meet people on couch surfing. I met a lot of great people on couch surfing. That was a really cool way to meet other people who just wanted to meet people from around the world. On Facebook, there's a group called Host a Sister where you can either arrange to just meet up or it's just like couch surfing for women. Um, there's also meetup, of course, so you could, if you have a specific hobby or interest, you could meet other like-minded people, go for hikes maybe. Um, so yeah, those are a few pieces of advice I'd have. But yeah, num- the number one, especially given my experience here in Mexico City, like working with a rescue, finding a good rescue that that just really makes it fun and easy. That's great. That's great. So it sounds like you were like, don't,
0: my advice is don't do what I did. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it worked. It always works out, but. Well, that is a big thing that I hear. Um, We get questions asked a lot of, um, like, what do I do with my house and my stuff? Like, that's a big question and one that I can't always answer because we didn't own property before we started. I had already moved to back to spain and back a couple times so like my stuff was very minimal (laughs) at that point so i'm really curious what that was like um did you have a time frame when you were just like paring down your stuff i mean you said you have it in a storage unit but i assume it's not everything from your house in there
2: yeah so what happened was after the So when the dog got sick, she had heart disease and I was like, I wanted to just spend as much time with her as I could. So I started studying Japanese because I knew once she left for the green pastures in the sky that I was going to have to have a plan instead of just sitting around Eugene and being sad that my dog was gone because she was kind of my universe in Eugene. Mm. So after she died, I went to Japan for three weeks and I loved it. I was so sad when I had to come home and I thought, okay, I've got to get, I've got to get out of Eugene. Like it's just, uh, it's a great place, but I'd been there for 15 years and it was just enough. And so I started to pare down my things. I started to sell things on Facebook, Marketplace, and I started to get my house fixed up. And and my house got really, really nice. And I do kind of wish I'd given myself a little bit more time to enjoy that, where it was like really pared down and just pretty much perfect. But yeah, it sold right away. And, um, and then I kind of got my little push to get out into the world. And I did a- I did end up renting a storage unit, just a five by ten. So, I still have a couple pieces of furniture, and then I mean, there's just you can't, you really can't get rid of everything. I don't know how people say like oh, just get rid of everything. I don't know. I couldn't do it.
0: No, I couldn't really either. I mean, like I said, I didn't have a lot of stuff. I really didn't. I mean, my stuff fit in like my dad's closet in New York City um or under his bed. Nice. So it really it really wasn't that much, but it it was still something and I had some things here and there um and since we've been hunkered down, I've been kind of going through it all and pared down some stuff. But, but at the same time, I was glad that I hadn't just gotten rid of everything because, um, like, I know some house sitters will just travel with one bag and then just buy whatever they need from a thrift store at a new place and then just get rid of it again. And I just I'm like when I find something that I really like, whether if it's a piece of clothing or like whatever, I'm just like I want to hang on to it. Right. Um first of all I don't like shopping so I don't want to spend t- my time doing that. Agreed. Second of all, <laughs> second of all like I found some pair of like snow mud boots at a thrift store in Salt Lake City when we were house sitting there. Like sick this was our first house sit like 5 years ago and they were, they were 99 cents and they were not even used. And I could have I guess donated them and gotten rid of them after I was done in Salt Lake City but I brought them back and put them in my little boxes and now I'm so glad because I'm using them every day here in the Buffalo uh, winter. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, these boots fit me really well. They're perfect. Like, I don't want to have to find new stuff. And um, I'm just like, I'm all about just practicality and functionality and having specific things. And, um, yeah, so, so to that point, yeah, I guess having a storage unit would be a good uh, recommendation. Or, like, if you have friends or family that have an extra – a place, whether it's a closet or a room. I know some people do that. Um right. but yeah, that that's probably a helpful thing to remember because I think people do think they have to get rid of all their stuff and that's super overwhelming.
2: Right. And then I've found even with coming to Mexico, like, yeah, you can get anything here, but things are expensive and not necessarily the same quality. So like I have a set of sheets at home that I love at home in Oregon in my storage unit. And so, like, I don't really want to spend a lot on sheets here. And then, like, I keep thinking I'm going to actually make it back to Oregon at some point to pick up some of my things to bring back here. But a lot of the things that I've bought, I've been like, like my yoga mat. I bought this kind of expensive yoga mat and it's horrible. It's just horrible. It's like slippery. (laughs) It doesn't work at all. So, yeah, I've been frustrated with having to try and replace things that are in my storage unit. So I think if I'd gotten rid of everything, I'd be like, oh, why did I sell those sheets?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Because, yeah, I, I find – once you find something that it just, like, really works for you in every right. sense and you're like, I love this, Why would, I don't get why I would get rid of that. But that's just me. Someone that's a super, super-duper minimalist probably um, – maybe disagree, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I like being minimal, but I don't know if I consider myself a minimalist because it, to me that just conjures an image of like you have one shirt and one pair of pants and your house is, has nothing in it. I
2: don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think you and I are both kind of minimalists and I, I don't have that strict of an understanding of it. I think just like you said, like you find something that you like and it's nice and you keep it. You don't have like 20 jackets. You have one jacket that you really like.
0: Yeah. Although that's my one problem is jackets. Uh, I, when funny. I when I was looking through my when I was looking through my boxes and uh, hanging things up in our place since we're in a place for a while now too, I was like, wow, I have a lot of jackets and sweaters. Why?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: then I don't wear all of them. I just wear the one anyway. Um, not to go off on a tangent about like all this kind of stuff, but actually, while we're talking about. Um, buying things and all this kind of stuff, like, I know finances is another big concern about people and house sitting of, like, because you aren't being paid, you need to kind of be funded by, you know, you know, right. you, need, you still have expenses. Right. So, like, uh, you mentioned teaching English. So is that what you started off doing or has that developed
2: over time? How did it How's that worked? It's kind of not developed over time. Like the idea was that that's what I would do as soon as I found a place where I was kind of hunkered down. And so I thought Vietnam, perfect, two months there. But in Vietnam, I got a little depressed and I kind of got off track because I was just not like, I just wasn't feeling like I was in a good place. Like literally a good, like a place where I felt comfortable, where I was in a safe environment. Um, So it didn't happen then. And then the pandemic happened not too long after that. So... I haven't really gotten around to it because I kind of thought, well, like now everybody's applying, like everybody's going to be teaching English online. And now, now I have a place, I do have a place now in Mexico City. So I, I could do it and I'm still putting it off a little bit, just kind of waiting for things to settle in. I guess I, I take things slowly and I'm still kind of skating with the, having sold my house. So I'm kind of using that, that savings to get around. And also I'm, I live very cheaply like I pretty much only buy food and in the last couple months it's really only been grocery food like I I don't even eat out or get takeout or anything so um, other than rent and insurance those are kind of my two biggest expenses I certainly wouldn't advise anyone to do it if they're if they don't have savings and if they don't have income because I know I've seen like people that say like oh, you've just got to do it and, and it'll it work. They, people make it look like it's just seamless, like you go out there and you pet sit and you move from one sit to the next without any interruption, and it's just not always like that. You have to have a backup plan for the time in between sits. Or the time when a pandemic happens. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. But before the pandemic, I was using couch surfing in a pinch or hostels, and I stayed in some, like, not great hostels. And I stayed in some amazing hostels, too. And when I was in the Czech Republic, I stayed with some friends. So I kind of pieced it together and tried not to do expensive Airbnbs very often. But even then, you you need some money to, to get around.
0: Yeah. I have the same strong feeling as well about don't jump in unless you have some savings. Like, you were like, oh, I just jumped into things. Uh, and I figured it out, but you were able to do that because you had that safety net from selling your house. So like, as you were figuring out, you had the financial backing, you know, uh, in a pinch to like pay for a place if you didn't get a house set or whatever it was. So that, I guess, um, I mean, yeah, super is super important. I really feel especially having seen the pandemic uproot Pretty much every house sitter (laughs) Um, and people that were in really dire straits um, realized the importance of having a safety net, a financial safety net because they were scrambling
2: for places and they couldn't pay for places and all that kind of stuff. And even getting back home exactly like it wasn't cheap to get from Indonesia to Oregon at the last minute yeah and luckily and I would also at this point give a plug for safety wing because they actually eventually reimbursed me for that flight because it was considered political evacuation
0: because of COVID oh I was going to ask you because you mentioned uh, insurance
2: so you do safety wing then I do and actually my rates are huge because of my age (laughs) so the rates have gone up quite a bit um it's still pretty affordable in the grand scheme of things. And I like that I have that safety net and, and just given that I actually went through the process of having a claim through them that they paid out, I, I feel somewhat confident that, that I'd be covered. I need to reassess now that I kind of technically live in Mexico city and I'm not really a traveler anymore, but, um, but for now I'm still just using safety wing cause I think it's better than nothing. But yeah, if you're going to be traveling around, you've got to have some kind of insurance. Because so, like anything can happen no matter where you are and no matter who you are, and no matter what your financial resources are. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Safety nets left and right because you don't, you know, you're not thinking about them when you don't need them. And then when you need them, you're like either you're really, you know, kicking yourself for not having that or you're really thanking your past self for having put that in place. That's really, uh, I know a lot of nomads speak really highly about safety wings, So that's really impressive that they reimbursed you for um, that flight because I know a lot of insurances were not touching anything COVID related. Right,
2: and I think that they're still covering COVID.
0: Wow, wow, that's great to hear. Yeah, we had Al- Al- Alliance or Alliance, I'm not sure. It's another one. Uh, I never had to claim through there, so I don't, I don't really know. It was fairly affordable or whatever. So now we don't have it because we're living in one place in the U.S. But um, yeah, no. I, I'll look at. I'll have to look at Safety Wing when you know we get back on the road.
2: One thing I noticed about Safety Wing. I mean, first of all, it is generally affordable until you hit a certain age, and then I think also their rates may have gone up a little bit with COVID. But um, the customer service at safety wing is fantastic. And I know I was using a different, I was using world nomads before and I had a question for them that I just couldn't get answered. And I asked safety wing and they like immediately replied with a lot of information. And then I asked more questions and they had more information and they were always like polite and friendly and they always had the answers and it was always clear. And so that, that's when I switched. Cause I was like, okay, I want to be with the company that's going to actually give me the answers. So I would say it is hard to know until you actually have to file a claim. But, um, affordability and customer service too for choosing an insurance company. Yeah. That's really huge.
0: No, that's all super good info. So as we're kind of like rounding out our, uh, our time, I, I wanted to also ask you how, how sitting has kind of, if it has changed your life in a, I mean, it's obviously, you know, changed everything, like the way you live, all that kind of stuff. But have there been any bigger, maybe internal shifts or anything perspective-wise that you've taken away from house-sitting?
2: I don't know if I would say house-sitting specifically, but I think that serendipitous coming into a pet-sitting business when I was living in Washington, D.C., put me on a track to kind of work with animals and and I find that so fulfilling. And then now, since I'm working with rescue organizations now, I just feel like it's just put me on a path that feels more like my life calling than, than certainly than the law firm. I mean, I've done other things that have been really fun and great and I, I have had a lot of cool jobs, but I think working with animals is just something, especially right now in my life, that's that's really important to me. And then also just putting it together with being able to travel around the world. So if I if I hadn't had all that experience with pet sitting, I mean at this point I've got 20 years of experience. I'm not sure I would have gotten the sits in Amsterdam and Oslo and and all these far-flung places if I didn't have the experience. So I guess it's it's really opened the world to me.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a really good perspective
2: I also wanted to ask another thing Do do you have a favorite house that you've done? Well, gosh, I loved that puppy I mean, it was hard work Because really, I had to get up and take him out Every couple of hours And he didn't always want to go out And then he'd come in and pee inside And um, he was a lot of work But gosh, he was just such a sweetheart And people loved him So we were in downtown Portland And just walking out I mean just you go anywhere with a puppy that looks that cute and people just flock to you so it was kind of fun being super popular for two weeks and then just having this super snuggly puppy around and I almost had a chance to see him last summer and I didn't get it like I was supposed to go up to Portland and then I changed the day and then the day I changed it too she couldn't meet with me the owner couldn't meet with me but I almost got to see him a year later would have been amazing, Aww. yeah,
0: well, I'm sure you'll see him again, I
2: hope someday, so. oh man, but be a lot bigger <laughs> yeah yeah i've seen I've seen pictures of him since, and he's he's full size now <laughs> what what did he what kind of dog do you say he was he's A golden an, he's an English cream retriever, which I think is a type of golden retriever, but just very white, <laughs> oh okay, all right, yeah, I remember seeing pictures of the puppy, yeah. And he was a big puppy, so I imagine he's a big dog now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he was young too. I mean, he was big, but he was still like not that old. So, yeah, puppies, man.
0: Yeah. I guess that's another tip for maybe solar housers. just house it for puppies, and uh, you'll be everyone's best friend. (laughs) That's a great That's a great tip. Yep, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah. Well, how can people? like find you is there anything else you want to share yeah before we finish off is there anything else you want to share that maybe we didn't go over and then and then where can people connect with you
2: well i'm on instagram trish Candic, and i post a i posted a 10 photo album in every country that i visited so anytime i would kind of stop for more than maybe a week I would post 10 pictures from that country. And so recently there've been a lot of pictures of dogs. So if you like dogs, you're going to like my Instagram probably. (laughs) If you like rescue dogs. Cool. I will, I'll link to that in in the show notes. People can
0: connect with you. um, And Yeah so yeah thank you again for coming on i i mean i learned a lot i mean we've talked a lot at this point but even through this conversation i was like oh that's great that's so interesting so i'm sure people are going to get a lot of out of this interview as well because yeah i just love how you plunged into things and you know with your safety net but you made it work and you've been all over so i find that really inspiring too and um Yeah, I can't wait to see how things go in Mexico City and uh, if you end up staying there longer term. Yeah, (laughs) me
2: too. You and me both.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we'll have to, maybe in the next few seasons, we'll have you back and check in on
2: what's going on. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Sam. It was a pleasure. Of course.
0: And we are back. Thanks for listening, for sticking around. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I enjoyed interviewing Trish. She has so much great insights to share. So many people get into house sitting as a way to travel. And while they might have, we recommend you have pet care experience, we haven't come across many, if any, actually, house sitters that were formerly professional pet sitters. So I think her insights into that having used to been paid for pet care really is really important to remember
1: yeah she talks about how when you have that paid dynamic how it you know it changes the relationship you know and, and it's funny how when people as soon as something doesn't have a money exchange they start thinking they can squeeze every last drop out of everything whereas when you are entering into a paid contract there's a certain level of kind of respect and consideration that just kind of comes with it and her being surprised that people don't act that way sometimes in house sitting. And I think it's a really, really, really important thing that we try to advocate for in house sitters that know your worth. Don't take something less than you deserve. You know, just because homeowners have a tone that you should be so grateful doesn't mean that you should just be like, oh, thank you. And like, you know, hands out, like begging for that sit. But on the flip side, we want to discourage self-entitled house sitters who think that there is no work going to house sitting. But in this particular moment, we're reflecting and talking about the house sitter side. So we don't want to, any potential pet owners out there. We're not saying you can't be, have uh, standards. Both sides should have standards. And we like to argue that it's a pretty equal playing field and that you need to provide something that other people need. And you should be confident in your ability to do that. And that's where a ton of experience comes into play.
0: Yeah, that's something that I know I feel very passionate about is just empowering house sitters to do exactly that, which is have the self-worth and knowledge that you can turn things down and you don't have to accept something that doesn't seem right to you and doesn't fit with you. And it could be fine for someone else, but it could not be fine for you. So that's also super important to remember. And also just Trish talking about Her whole experiences with selling her house and all of her, you know, what to do with stuff, that's a question we get asked often, as I mentioned. So for anyone out there who is maybe thinking of house sitting and not sure what to do, her insights hopefully will give you a little help with that.
1: I really love how she found fulfillment and purpose, especially in these times, through that working at that pet shelter and taking care of pets. I love her dogs still need to be walked. I love that. And it kind of just shows that house sitting can really be a tool to kind of open more doors or create more paths in your life. And you never know where they're going to take you. And she just gives this kind of real, honest take on everything. And with her experience and her confidence as a person, she can recognize what situations were good and what situations weren't learn from them, and go forward and recognize her self-worth. So I think that this is an invaluable lesson to learn from someone who has a lot of uh, knowledge and wisdom to share. And then Trish is just fun. It's just fun to talk with Trish. I remember our initial meeting very fondly, and I appreciate that she reached out to us, but it also helped that you know we would probably speak in English in a place that that's not the native language. So she picked up on that right away.
0: Yeah, so... Be sure to I will leave a link to Trish's Instagram and every other place you can find her on on the show notes, and you can follow us on Instagram at House Sitting Travel. Love to hear your thoughts on the episode, and yeah,
1: yeah. Feel free to always reach out to us via the Instagram, uh, also other. Links that we'll leave in a show notes if you want to leave us a voice note, for example. And definitely, you know, if you got a pet that has a thing, every pet has a thing, just like Trish said, we'd love to hear about those kind of things, because I think we can think of a quote unquote thing for every pet we ever sat for, regardless of how much we love them or not.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I did want to say one last thing, which is um, I found it really sweet and inspiring how Trish has been volunteering. And I know a lot of us house sitters in the pandemic might not be house sitting as much as maybe in the past. And if you're missing animals, maybe check out volunteering and you can get that lovely dose of animals and they'll really appreciate it, those those shelter guys.
1: Absolutely. And if you've been enjoying the show and you want to support this show, please share the show with someone who you think might be interested in the show.
0: And... If you are listening on a podcast app that allows ratings and reviews, we would really appreciate your rating and review because it helps other people find the show.
1: That pretty much wraps it up. Make sure to stay tuned where we're going to have more tons of fun stuff coming up. In a couple of weeks, we'll have another interview. And next week, we will also have another tip, technique, strategy-based episode by... Us truly? Can you say that? Yours truly? Us truly? I think it's yours truly. But but then that would mean just me. And it's not just me. That's true. But um, yeah, the
0: interview, our next interview will be with none other than Vanessa and Ian of House Sitting Magazine. These guys are a big deal in the House Sitting community. So I've been connected with them for quite some time now and it was really exciting to be able to talk to them not i was going to say in person but you know virtually so it was it was great they had so much to say so much to share so many stories so be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for that one
1: yeah we got some high profile heavy hitters on this show so you don't want to miss out on that
0: <laughs> yeah all right catch you next time
1: catch you next time